Mark 14. We're going to be reading 26 through 42. It's a little bit more than uh, we had said earlier, but I want to, for the movement and for the context, we're going to be reading uh, a little bit about Jesus's uh, foreknowledge about Peter's denial, but then we're going to talk about that more later in a few weeks. But today we're going to be in the garden. So Mark 14, we'll be beginning at verse 26 in just a minute. A while back, the pastors were invited uh, to have a morning with Steve Bell, who is a Christian songwriter. Um, Our own Reed Sheard brought him in uh, to uh, be at Westmont, and then they invited local clergy to come and be encouraged by his music and stories. It was a really beautiful time, and it really filled my soul. He had a set of small books based on the church calendar year that we bought as a staff. And so for this season, I pulled out the book on Lent. And here are some of the first words that I read. Oh, there he is. Hi, Steve. There he is. The church tells and retells her sacred stories year after year. Much as a mother to her children who ask for the same stories night after night. And like any good child's tale, they continue to reward well into adulthood. Each time we rehearse and reharrow these stories, we unearth something new, precisely because there is so much more to receive, but also because our capacity to receive has deepened. This is a profound truth that God has given us seasons which tell the story of the faith, stories that have shown us who he is, stories that have helped us to understand his saving grace, stories that help us believe that everyone is invited to be part of his story. Today we read a familiar narrative of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And more than any other gospel, Mark records the deep pain of the Lord in this moment. So as I read it, I invite you to pay attention to your feelings, to what it evokes in you. Because each time we read about Jesus' suffering, we should notice how we hear it. Because it gives us a barometer of our souls, which is important, especially in this time of Lent. So hear now the word of the Lord from Mark 14, starting at verse 26. And when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though all become deserters, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said vehemently, even though I will, must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. 
And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into a time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest enough? The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Oh, Father, may we receive from you today what you have for us in this, in this word. Thank you for this witness, Lord. May we connect with you. Amen. So, so far, it's been an interesting journey uh, to Jerusalem so far. Jesus has fought the leaders in the temple. He's given the disciples a long lesson in what will happen in the future. He's been anointed with very expensive perfume for burial. Judas has decided to betray him. And Jesus has eaten the Passover meal where he's added a new ritual called the Lord's Supper. And they've now left the upper room and they've gone to the Mount of Olives just outside the city walls to a garden area that would have been a familiar place for Jesus to pray. Now this is a very wrenching scene. As we see Jesus crying out to God for deliverance, for the pain and the agony of the cross. And because Mark records such raw emotion here, it seemed a good idea to frame our time around the emotions that we are allowed to see. We understand that we don't base our lives on feelings or else we would be like kites flying in the wind. But we also don't ignore our feelings, pretending like they don't matter. So we want to notice the emotions going on in this passage and then think about what is happening around us. Inviting the Lord, listening to what he would have to say to us. So one emotion, one of the first ones we see here is loneliness. In verses 26 through 31, we get the idea of Jesus' sadness, how they will all desert him. He's quoting here from Zechariah. The Lord tells them that none of them are going to be there when he is stricken as their shepherd. So then we wonder if going into the garden, he specifically asks them all to sit nearby so that he wouldn't be alone yet. He wants company and prayer support. Easily he could have gone by himself. He could have said, yeah, you guys all take your rest. But instead he asks them to be close by so he can continue to have companionship of his closest friends. Jesus tells them, he shares with them how deeply sorrowful he is. And asks them to stay awake. Humanly speaking, he is preparing for the hardest thing he has ever faced. And in this struggle, he is also warning them to keep watch. That they have a trial coming. 
To stay alert means to not go to sleep, but it also means to stay spiritually awake so they can remain faithful to God no matter what happens. He can see what's coming. He wants them to join him. We know that suffering can be a very lonely place. In the midst of the darkness we experience, no one can truly join us. The disciples have no idea of the depth of the sorrow that Christ was in or exactly what it was that he was going to be walking into. So his request to stay with them was an invitation to journey with them for as long as they could to pray earnestly for God to cover them. Having friends who are willing to set aside their own comfort or give up their time is so often needed in moments like this. So this passage reminds us to join with those who are hurting to pay attention to those who are deeply grieved, as Jesus says he is. There are many ways of leaving someone by themselves. One of the worst is to be physically present but emotionally absent to those who are lonely and afraid. And Jesus says, please be with me. We don't have to understand or know exactly what someone is going through to show that we care. And in his dark hour, he asks his followers to stay with him for comfort. So we consider how it is that Christ asks us today to come alongside those who are hurting in his body, in his world. And let us think how it is that we are being asked to meet the suffering of those we see around us. Who is it that God is calling us to pray for and just be with in their pain? And as we read this, we, of course, remember two truths. One is that Jesus went through all of this so that we would not be alone in our time of needs. And also that Jesus was not truly alone because his Abba Father was there ministering to him. Another emotion we see here is despair. It's mentioned three times in three different ways, distress, agitation, and grief. When Jesus says he is deeply grieved, it literally means that he is filled with shuddering awe. He can barely hold on. We hear him telling the disciples that he's grieved unto death. We see him throwing himself on the ground, asking the Father to allow this cup to pass from him. So whatever we think about Jesus, however it is that we think about him on the cross, we should never think about him going stoically with no emotion. This is a very real fight he is having in his spirit. He asks the Lord if this hour could be taken from him, this cup could be taken from him. Both refer to the faith that God has in store for a, for a person or a group. It might refer to a good blessing, but mostly in the Old Testament, the cup refers to someone who has to endure bitterness, the bitterness of God's judgment. In Jeremiah, we find these words. For thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. So by taking the cup, Jesus is asking, could it be possible for me to not bear the judgment of the sin of the whole world for all time on my body? Think about how massive a weight that would be. Last week we... We're reminded by Pastor Kate of the temptation that Jesus had in the desert. Being taunted by Satan for 40 days who wanted him to forfeit everything just to be released from the torment. 
here we see there's another temptation he has, and he is wrestling as he knows the death that awaits him. You see, it's one thing for Jesus to know what God wants. It's another for him to actually do it. This is a struggle of the will, not of knowledge. He knows what God wants. He knows that God can do all things. He says that. But the time has come for him to determine if he can actually go through with what it is that he said he will do. This is about obedience. Pastor Dave Guzik, who was at Calvary Chapel in town for many years, says this. Jesus wasn't asking for permission to let humanity perish. He was asking the Father if there's any other possible way to save humanity other than the agony which awaits me on the cross. If so, uh, so be it. So what we understand from this is this idea. There's a waiting for us sometimes before we get the answer that we're dreading. Jesus teaches here and models what it looks like to struggle. There's the calm before the storm is unleashed on him, and he's in prayer and distress, and we understand a little bit of that. That all of us have faced circumstances where we were fairly certain God was not going to make it better for us. So we call before him in agony, and we plead, and we ask others around us to stand with us in our pain. Jesus wrestles with the decision until his feelings come in alignment with what he knows he has to do. This is so good. He is modeling something so important for us here because there's such great trust and vulnerability and faith in the Father. Not what I want, but what you want is not a trite saying. This is real. God, this is hard. Not what I want, but what you want. Show me what you want again. Really, is this thing really your will? And so we wrestle until we embrace submitting our will to the Father. Until we lean into his hope. We're still going to have strong feelings even after we decide. But there is a peace that comes when we decide to surrender. The Lord meets us as we wait for what is to come and gives us strength to live out his will. The third emotion is kind of tied to the first. It is disappointment. As we read this, I'm reminded of times that I just couldn't do what the Lord had asked me to do. Maybe even I couldn't keep my eyes open, literally or spiritually. Jesus comes back three times to find his disciples, his closest friends that he chose asleep. They just couldn't do it. We talked a few weeks ago about how Jesus said, wake up. And that was about Jesus coming again. But now, now they need to stay awake. We need to stay awake to what is happening in our lives to see what it is that the Lord wants us to do. Jesus comes back and finds them snoozing and says, are you still asleep? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray, pray. You see, there's disappointment here. The second time, Mark records that they don't even know what to say to him. Someone ever told you how disappointed they were in you, and you just kind of looked at them like, I, I don't have anything to say. 
What shows up here is how the disciples missed a key moment in their walk with Christ. One that they probably regretted the rest of their lives. Sometimes Jesus calls us to a task to be available to his leading. And I know that there have been times in my life that he has nudged me. That he has physically put people in my path. And I have gone around them. He has asked me to do something and I have not. I can think of two specific times that the Lord asked me to reach out to someone and I didn't. And their circumstances changed the next day. And the Lord said, I told you. And we wrestle with that. We wrestle then with a different kind of thing, with a disappointment of the Lord. And of course, his grace covers us. But I want to tell you that if you're sitting here today and you are sure that the Lord is disappointed in something that you did not do. Or something that you wish that you would have done, that you would call out his name. You see, sleeping represents how the disciples stopped praying. They didn't recognize what was happening. But then we think about their pride when they said, Lord, we're going to die with you. You're never going to be alone. And we think about that pride and we think, why didn't you ask for help? Why didn't you tell the Lord, I can't do this. Can you show me how to do this? Could you teach me how to do this? It's okay to say to the Lord, please help us. Help us in the ways that we fail and want to do better. Show us, God, give us strength. Right after Jesus finds them sleeping a third time, we find our final emotion in verse 41, resolve. Jesus says, enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going See, he's ready in his soul now for what is going to happen. There is a time that we wrestle with the Lord and we cry out before him. And then there's a time that we get up and we go and we face the bad news that we think is inevitable or the hard thing that we don't want to do. Prayer was the battle he faced for what was to come. Here the word enough means the bill is paid. And we wonder about that. We wonder, does it mean that everything got worked out? Everything was settled up with God that Jesus has agreed through prayer what needed to be done. Jesus said, don't stop asking and seeking and knocking. Don't stop praying. Have soul-searching times where you let out everything that you're feeling and find comfort and strength. These are the last words that Jesus speaks to his followers before his arrest, and they are words of action. And we see a very different Jesus going out of the garden than we saw coming into the garden. Coming in, he was forlorn and in despair. And now we see he is determined. He is ready, no matter how hard it's going to be. He has been strengthened in prayer and accepted what he must do. One writer said that the command, rise, let us go, is an echo of an earlier command, come, follow me. From the beginning to the end, Jesus has shown them how to live, and now he will show them how to die. The writer Max Lucado says the garden is where Jesus decided to go to the cross. Gethsemane was where Jesus decided the pain that he was to endure was worth it. Because he saw you and he saw me. He saw a world that was broken and in need of so much healing and reconciliation. He saw the sin that we could not erase, the wars that we would lose, the tragedies that we would endure. 
He saw all of creation needing to be restored. He saw how we needed to know how much we were loved and how much we needed to be empowered to do his work. So in the retelling of this sacred story, what has been unearthed today for you to consider? The Lord is here and he is meeting you in every situation in your life, in all of your feelings and struggles. He understands your loneliness and your despair, your disappointments and your resolve. He knows how much you're willing to follow and he knows how much you need his help in your weakness. So in this time of quiet, be honest with him about your struggle and allow him to meet you and show you his will. May we be awake in him and decide to listen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.